0: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Third Impact anime podcast where all of our crime coefficients are undoubtedly high. I am joined tonight by many of the members of Third Impact and a special guest member as well. With me, I've got Tobias. How's it going, my dude?
1: It's doing pretty well. I'm feeling a little cloudy today. Woke up as a still blue, but I've cleared that out and uh, doing really well.
0: All right. And Bill, how are
2: you doing today, my sir? Uh, I'm doing pretty well, Um, though I'm a little little weirded out because my crime coefficient is saying that I'm zero, completely neutral, so is there something wrong with me? I think that just means you haven't
0: been born yet. (laughs) (laughs) I think you should probably work on that.
2: Uh, Yeah, I'll start getting born right now.
0: Okay, do your best. Uh, And joined again, uh, we haven't had him on since we did our wonderful episode on the Legend of the Galactic Heroes franchise, but we are joined by Ryan W. How's it going, Ryan? How's your crime coefficient today?
3: It's really solid. I'm looking forward to be a fruit gusher here anytime soon.
0: (laughs) Well, that's great. I certainly hope that you don't make a huge mess, but you will. Alright, folks, well, tonight on this episode, we are going to be talking about the 2012... I, anime TV series uh, *Psychopass* uh, from production IG and uh, somewhat iconic in his own way, writer Gen Urobuchi. Um, so yeah, very excited to be talking about *Psychopass* this evening. But I guess first of all, let's just do a little bit of catch-up. Uh, we'll go ahead and start with with Ryan. So can you uh, sort of let us know how you've been lately? How you've been since uh, *Legend of the Galactic Heroes* back a couple months ago? And Anything you've been watching or playing recently that's really uh, struck a chord with you?
3: Yeah, definitely. Uh, things have been going pretty well for me. Uh, haven't really watched any anime uh, in the uh, interim since we last spoke. Um, I did watch uh, Altered Carbon on Netflix, which has been really mm-hmm. fantastic. It kind of fits that whole cyberpunk narrative uh, to a T. Um, uh, pretty pretty violent, but uh, overall, <laughs> uh, really like... Um, a lot of the themes and stories going on there, and just blows my mind how much money that they're able to now put into uh, into production for some of these TV shows.
1: Right. You
3: no, know, it, it looked great, and the action in the show is pretty fantastic. So if you guys get an itch for uh, cyberpunk uh, that uh, is better than Blade Runner, uh, I would give it a hearty recommendation. And then game wise, uh, I've been actually really getting back into my Switch uh, recently, and. I uh, got the Undertale release and I've been playing that for the first time.
1: Wow, the first time. Yeah, yeah. Are you how far, how far are you?
3: i um, right at the very uh, last boss there. Um I actually really suck at Undertale. I'm doing the pacifist run through at the very first time, so I'm and I really suck at um at uh, bullet hells. <laughs> So each boss takes me about 10 to like 15 tries or so, and this last boss seems to be really tricky, so uh, right. I'll probably get it before the weekend's over, but really enjoying that. Can definitely see all the um, the, uh, the kind of themes that it takes from Earthbound and the quirkiness and all that. I really love it. I wouldn't say that it's my favorite game of all time, but it's definitely, uh, I can see why it's well-loved.
0: Cool. I don't think I've heard anyone talk about Undertale in like three years, so... Neat. Hey,
3: late <laughs> on the bandwagon like always, but still yeah. enjoying it.
0: Hey, I I feel that that's me with almost everything. All right, Tobias. So um, in the last episode, we got to hear from you about uh, Anime Week in Atlanta stuff. But has there been anything else that you've been up to lately that you want to tell the folks?
1: Uh, pretty much that. Uh, big part of my my recent history. I think I mentioned last time I was playing Near Automata. Uh, that's on the back burner because I'm uh, loaning out my PS4. Uh, to a friend who's got new Spider-Man uh, on the promise that I will be playing Spider-Man after he gets done in about six Ooh. months to two years. Uh, I
0: knew there had to be some sort of catch to that because people typically don't just let people borrow their PlayStation 4s.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, he, he's, he's cool with it. So I, I want to play Spider-Man. I'm just not. Uh, I, have, I bought too many games to buy more games. So uh, loaning out or, or borrowing it rather is going to be more ideal in this case.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but no I've just been kind of just going through some old catalog stuff um, I did open up Breath of the Wild again after you were talked about it last time trying to make a little progress on that and it's fun failing for the most part but uh, it, yeah I'm, I'm still enjoying it I'm still digging it man it, it's still great mm-hmm. and uh, just trying to slowly make it through my backlog of anime uh, you know of course rewatch psychopath for this, uh, this episode in particular and I took the better part of my week my free time this week but just trying to go back and catch up here. I know we've talked about uh, trying to watch Shirobako here shortly, and just, oh yeah, uh, the show's I need to catch so up on JoJo. Yeah, no, yeah, I've, I've watched the first three or four episodes, I think, and just stopped because I'm dumb. Uh, but I, I really want to go back and finish it. And I'm still halfway through uh, Stardust Crusaders, and I really want to catch up for Golden Wind coming up now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Golden combo man, there's so much stuff I got to catch up on, and yeah.
0: We really ought to do a like a JoJo franchise breakdown, like to get people caught up for part five. I think I think that would be fun.
1: We should call it. Do you know how many podcasts you've listened to? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> or call it breakdown, breakdown, like the uh, like the opening of uh, of part four. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, Bill, what about you? You did not grace us with your presence at Anime Weekend in Atlanta, which is totally cool. We only cried a lot. Um, but what have you been up to?
2: <laughs> um, two things. Um, the, I watched, this is not anime-related, but a, a great documentary on Netflix that came out like a week ago about Quincy Jones, the uh, very prolific uh, music producer. If you guys don't know who he is, he produced Michael Jackson's Thriller album. He mm. wrote... Uh, a bunch of music that you've heard of, like the siren that you hear in the Kill Bill movies. That's the Ironside theme, which he also wrote. And he's pretty much worked with every major uh, act in the business. Like he worked with Frank Sinatra and produced some of his biggest albums. And he's pretty much the biggest thing in the business because every famous act not actor uh every they he basically can call up anyone he wants and they show up like he called up Oprah Winfrey and Barack Obama when he was president to show up for the opening of the um Smithsonian African American History Museum and they showed up because he called them so basically his just his career is amazing um with just the amount of work he's done and also just what he's gone through with health like he's gone through a brain aneurysm a stroke uh a, a blood clot and he's still living at like 85 man so i, I highly recommend it uh, if you're a music nerd like me uh it's really good um, sweet i'll have to check that out and uh, the second thing i've been doing is the spider-man game which is so good um <laughs> you know what's the best part of the game not spider-man the selfies no j jonah jameson has a podcast (laughs) are
0: you serious that's incredible (laughs) It's,
2: it's, it's great okay and i don't i don't care i want to talk about this the best part about it is basically in the game he's left the daily bugle and has gone to form his own podcast called just the facts with j jonah jameson Oh man and the best part is it's very much like a rush kind of rush limbae of like Spider Man that's Spider Man did this but unlike what you think it would go, usually the callers are like, no, but Spider Man really knew what he was doing and he just gets aggravated every time. <laughs> so it's it's not really validating any of his viewpoint of his mistrust and hatred of Spider Man that's amazing um, and he just rags on his intern and his producer just like jared wrong information get me give me my meds <laughs> just,
0: <laughs> it, give me some give me some alternative facts up in here yeah
2: i just it's whenever it pops up i'm just so happy i don't know why you'd want to turn that off uh, in the <laughs> game and also there's all uh, there's also a live spider-man like twitter feed that's going on where oh, nice. they do obscure they do the most obscure Spider-Man references. Like I was listening to a podcast where the uh, they were talking about one of the Twitter peoples in the in spiders Spider-Man's Twitter is a former boyfriend of Mary Jane that that um, they knew in college, and just all the references are amazing. Like there's the uh, Matt Murdock and uh, Foggy Nelson building. There's a reference hmm. to AIM the evil organization in the marvel universe um it's if you are a marvel fan you will love this game um and they've pretty much nailed it i am really excited for the sequel the inevitable sequel to come out and hopefully this leads to better things like i would love to see insomniac tackle another um maybe marvel character like i don't know uh, Iron Man, that would be cool, because mm-hmm. uh, if you go back to your video game history, most of those Sega uh, <laughs> Sega tie-in games with the movies were really bad, um, so I I am just loving Spider-Man right now. I'm halfway through it and enjoying every single second of it. Yeah,
1: and uh, I, I, I will say, just going back to, you mentioned Netflix, that made me think of uh, very recently... It's been a while now since we've been a while since we recorded, but I also watched the new season of BoJack Horseman, which uh, that is absolutely Tobias approved. Uh, if you like psychopaths, you will love BoJack Horseman. Let me put it like that. <laughs> wow! It is it is it is the Evangelion of American cartoons. I, I don't
2: want us to wow. go too for the. Long, but off mic. You and I are gonna have to talk about BoJack Horseman because I've just kept hearing like, yeah, that show is extremely depressing, Um but it's really it. Good. It is, but
1: it is it is so good. Like I I was turned off at it at first because it's being another Western uh, cartoon with uh like little to no animation, Uh but it is it was it caught me with its humor at the beginning and yeah no it's it's so good. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, what have you been, uh, engaging, what media have you been engaging in?
0: Well, I went to the grand mecca of media that I love, known as Tokyo, Japan, a couple of weeks ago, and it was amazing. Uh, going to Japan was nuts. I couldn't believe that I was actually there. It felt like a dream experience. Um... It was super rad. You both should start your piggy banks immediately and get yourselves over there. No matter how long it takes, uh, you, should, you should try and do that because Japan is really fun. Um, I didn't have an appetite for like a week after I got back because no. I was like, I really don't want to eat American food no. because <laughs> Japanese no. food is, is really good. And uh, just generally, their their, um, their quality of ingredients tends to be a little bit higher uh, just all across the board, uh, so eating there does not ever make me feel gross or anything like that. Um, food was really good, and then there was a whole crap ton of anime junk, as you can expect. Um, I did get, to get a chance to go and visit the uh, Tokyo Anime Center, um, where I brought you those uh, that golden kami stuff, Tobias. Yeah. Um, that was really cool. Um, it's essentially like a three-leveled place where like leveled, the level the second floor that you go into is like a cafe slash bookstore area. And then downstairs in the basement is where they have, like, the uh, the showcase room. So the, the show that is on right now that they're doing the whole um, exhibit for is for Golden Kamui. And they have this whole, like, walkthrough area where they've got, like, uh, cardboard cutouts of some of the characters and some of the scenes. They've got a big screen playing, like, the opening and the ending on loop and, uh, like, trailers and whatnot. And then they've got, like, the actual, like, paper Ganga on the walls where you can see like the actual drawings from the show and like the, um, they wouldn't let you take pictures in there, unfortunately. But, um, that was really cool. And what really what really struck me as kind of hilarious is that like Golden Comedy, if anybody hasn't seen it, is a lot about like surviving in the wilderness. So they have this little setup thing, like a carnival game, where you have you have this pop gun, essentially, this little pop gun rifle, and you can shoot out a cork and hit over little like um, little standees <laughs> of like various animals, like squirrels and rabbits and things like that. So they just had this little carnival game just set up in the corner and you could go over there and play it and uh that was really fun and uh and neat um but yeah that whole place is basically like an event space for like uh, animation classes and they do those showcases and all that stuff um so that was that was really awesome to go there um and then i did just general like shopping things like i spent a lot of time in Akihabara. I uh, did a bunch of shopping there, spent a lot of time in Nakano, Broadway. I met up with my friend Dustin over there, and we basically spent a whole couple of days together just uh, just like exploring all the different sort of shops and things. And he was showing me around because he's over there actually working on a documentary about uh, the Common Rider fandom, oh, wow. um, which, is, which is really cool. Um, I meant to ask him, but I'd love to have him on the show to talk about it. I think that would be really fun. Um, cause he, he's, he's an anime fan too, of course, but there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of crossover between, uh, anime fandom and Kamen writer fandom that we in the West don't really get to see a lot of the crossover for, even though it sounds very obvious. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's putting together a whole thing about that, doing interviews, doing, um, getting footage of, uh, of like a, very, a bunch of different stuff. So it's, it's a really cool project that he's working on. Um, I'll put the links to his stuff in the show notes. Um, but yeah, going to Japan was amazing, and I would go back anytime. It was great. And Tokyo Disney was awesome. Go check out my little vlog that I made about that, just so I don't continue to ramble on and on. And I guess we can just go ahead and jump into the main topic of our episode, which is talking about 2012's Psychopaths. I
2: would like to show, Don't
0: We're back, and like I said in the beginning of the episode, we will be talking about Psychopass this week. Uh, Psychopass is a 2012 uh, TV series from production IG. Uh, production IG, you might know from things such as Ghost in the Shell and a bunch of other things that I'm now blanking on. What the heck else have they done, folks? A lot. What a lot.
1: done a lot. If you've seen anything with more of a like a photoristic character design, a little more gritty, cyberpunkish. Uh, I mean, we've got Ghost in the Shell, we've got, I believe, uh, Pat Lieber, uh, yeah. other Oshi work, uh, this, and... Uh, the new know, Legend we, of the Galactic
2: Heroes. They worked yeah, on Jinro, yeah. uh, they are working on the new yep. Coolie. Yep,
0: That's true, yeah, they collaborated with Gynax on both The End of Ava and Fully Cooly. But most recently, nice. they've been the ones sort of taking the, the Fully Cooly 2 and 3 sort of production production stuff on, on that end. So Production IG is uh, very popular. Been, they've been around for many years. Undoubtedly, you have seen something that they have made. Um, so the chief director of the series is uh, Katsuyuki Motohiro, uh, who is the main director behind uh, the new uh, FLCL series, and he also directed Aijin uh, Human, uh, the TV series on Netflix. Uh, he's the chief director, and then the director... Uh, himself is uh, Naoyoshi Shiotani. Who, uh, Tobias, you wrote this down. Did you see anything of note that he also has directed?
1: Yes, let me look it up. Okay. <laughs> oh, actually, here. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we have Shiotani's He's worked on a lot of stuff. He hasn't uh, directed. Uh, he hasn't been a series director for really uh, most much of anything. Uh, mostly, I've seen key animation, in-between animation for a lot including uh, Ghost in the Shell, the, the second movie, Innocence, as well as Stand standalone Complex. Uh, a couple other production IG works. We have uh, Blood Sea, uh, I think also from like 2011 or so. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just a whole slew of works there. But I think this is his first major directorial role. Cool.
0: And then in the writer's chair, we have the somewhat iconic these days, uh, Genorabuchi who uh, really butcher. made a name... Yeah, really the butcher who really sort of named, made a name for himself back in the early 2010s for uh, writing stuff like Madoka Magica, Fate Zero, and more recently uh, Thunderbolt Fantasy which has a second season that's coming out right now.
2: Yep. Um hmm.
0: not sure if uh, Urobuchi is part of that or not. Uh, I'd have to double check, but uh yeah, he um he's kind of known for being very dark. I guess, and being very murderous, I suppose. <laughs> uh, but both of those things, I fit. I think uh, fit Psychopaths pretty well.
3: He did Almo um, Zero too as well, right?
0: That's true, but I wasn't sure if the, if people needed to know that he did that one or not.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he also uh, also wrote Common uh, Rider Forze, which uh, I oh, believe yeah. I, I'm not really a huge Common Rider nerd, but I believe it's one of the more uh, lighthearted or fun. Uh, Wait a second,
0: Kamen Riders. No, Forza is the one that was written by Kazuki Nakashima, because oh, I was having this yeah, conversation. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of a game. Gaim. Gaim.
0: Oh, Common Rider. What?
1: Gaim. Let me fuck it up. I'm pretty sure it's Gaim. It's the one with fruits. Fruits. Yay, fruits. Common Rider Gaim. Yes.
0: Cool. <laughs> it's funny. It's my understanding that Common Rider can be very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Malleable, depending on who's. Whose hands it's in, which yes. I think is very interesting. I know next to nothing about Common Writer, but I know some folks on uh, on my Twitter feed and and IRL who are super into it, and uh, maybe one of these days I'll I'll take that plunge
1: mm-hmm. and podcast about it. Yeah, it's probably it's
2: though a little side note that I find kind of interesting is Gennaro Ibuchi. I think he's like the most well known writer amongst fandom here in the U.S. I mean. I, i I can't think of another writer that is more commonly known here by american fans which is kind of funny
0: the only other one i would say would be someone like mario kata and even her i don't think she has quite the the specific name recognition as generobuchi because lots of people have sort of memeified ified as like oh he's the dark writer that writes very violent things and sad things and that sort of thing but Mario Okada really hasn't gotten that sort of mimetic legacy if you will yeah
1: I think his work's not really so much violent but it reminds me a lot of the way people talk about George R. R. Martin and just that uh-huh. whole like you know don't get attached to any character because they're gonna die by the end of it
0: as a Game of Thrones fan Ryan what do you think about that
1: I honestly don't know anything
3: about it <laughs> You, about game you,
0: of Th- i thought you like game of thrones oh sorry as a game oh yeah i, I am a big game of thrones fan <laughs> what, sorry
3: what was the reference for Game of
0: Thrones? no i said uh, uh um like tobias outlined a lot of people would compare genrobuchi to a george rr R. martin type. oh
3: of- well yeah I, I guess you can say that the whole kill them all kind of philosophy um i don't know i think uh yeah, that, I think that is an apt comparison, because one thing that I think Gennaro Birchi does well, especially in psychopaths as well as um, in, um, what is it, Fate State Zero, is he does a lot of good mm-hmm. world building, uh, which is something that Martin does well, and I think that kind of that darker tone and kind of the gray view of humanity is something that he captures well.
0: hmm I guess one last little uh, production note here about Psychopaths is that it was featured on the Noe block. Uh, which is a uh, small block on a particular Japanese network. I'm not sure exactly which one, but essentially a lot of the um, a lot of the goal of the No Itamina shows is to like showcase things that might not necessarily get like primetime broadcasts or things like that. And they they typically tend to be shorter things and they typically tend to be more um, either thematic or thematically or visually more interesting things than sort of the normal sort of, um, like popular things that you would normally yeah. expect. It's like going so, beyond uh, your
1: normal like otaku bait shows.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, um, I think Ping Pong the animation was a Noitamina thing. Yeah, um, had, uh, Back
1: from two thousand seven, uh, Moyashiman, the one about the agriculture and the the various mm-hmm. uh, little bacteria that they a little chibi figures for. Oh um, yeah,
0: cells at work, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Austin. <laughs> we've got a uh, we've got the Tatami Galaxy in 2010, which is the, one of the best series from that decade. Everyone, please go watch Tatami Galaxy. Uh, Princess Jellyfish was a really a personal favorite of mine. Uh, I that was one of the things I got into back when I got really back into anime. Really, uh, Anohana, as like a, a year later, and then uh, most recently we've had uh, the adaptation of Inu Yashiki. Oh, yeah. Uh, w- w- what a koi, uh, banana fish, and we're getting the promised Neverland, which I've heard really, really good things about.
0: So, was I right or wrong when I said ping pong?
1: Uh, I mean, you're always wrong, but. <laughs> That's true. I uh, know you were right. Ping pong <laughs> oh, animations. Okay. Yeah. Phew. Oh, Do- Dodged a yeah.
0: the bullet there.
1: <laughs>
0: All right, so to break down the cast of Psychopaths, we have our main character, Akane Tsunomori. She is played in Japanese by Kana Hanazawa, who is a very famous uh, Japanese seiyuu. Uh, she is Sengoku in the Monogatari series. She is Anri in Jirabara. She is Mayuri in Steins Gate. And she is Otome in The Night is Short Walk On Girl, which is a very good
1: movie.
0: It is. Uh, I, I wish we could Eng- do a
1: podcast on it.
0: Me too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, So, in English, Akane is played by Kate Oxley. Uh, She is Erica Frog in Soul Eater, which just turned 10 this year. That's weird to think about.
3: (laughs) Time uh, has (laughs) passed.
0: It has. uh, She is... uh, She's not known... She doesn't have a huge amount of, like, very recognizable roles, but she has played innumerable characters in One Piece. She's played, like, eight different characters, I think. So, um, as Shinya Kogami in Japanese, we have Tomokazu Seki, who is... To Bill's great enjoyment, Domon in G Gundam.
3: Yeah.
0: Uh, He is also Gilgamesh in Fate Zero. He is, weirdly enough, Mepple in Futariwa Pretty Cure, which I know you guys are not super familiar with Pretty Cure, but Mepple is essentially, like, the mascot character, Mm. (laughs) which is really interesting. And he is also Sosuke Sagara in Full Metal Panic.
1: Can I just imagine a little mascot character with, like, a cigarette in his mouth and a Dominator in (laughs) hand? heck yeah it's like pulling the trigger on a, uh, another character
0: <laughs> so in english shin yakogami is voiced by robert McCollum, who is reiner in attack on titan uh the hero killer stain in my hero academia and seishu honda in barakamon which is one of my personal favorite uh slice of life shows um as uh shogo makashima we have takahiro sakurai who is Yukiyatsu? Eh, excuse me, Yukiyatsu in Anohana. He is Griffith oh, in Berserk. He me. is Su- <laughs> Suzaku in Code Geass, and he is Cloud Strife in everything that Cloud Strife is in. <laughs> uh, I don't think Cloud talks he, though, right? He talks. So
1: he just says "dad, da, children. Da, da. da,
0: da. Not much. Yeah, he <laughs> speaks in ellipses. Um, <laughs> so in English, he is played by Alex Organ, who is Dekum in Death Parade very good show from a couple years ago and a bunch of other things with not super notable characters but he is in uh, Escaflone, Tokyo Ghoul, and The Boy and the Beast among other things so Ginoza is played by Kenji Mojima who is currently the voice of Tuxedo Mask in the newer inc- um, incarnations of Sailor Moon he's also in Free, Yuri on Ice, and Persona 3 The Animation and we have Masaoka and he is played by Kinryu Arimoto he doesn't have very many notable roles, but he's been in a lot of anime um, starting back in like the late 70s and 80s and whatnot. He's in Gogol 13. He's in many er- iterations of Lupin Third, many iterations of Mobile Suit Gundam, and he's also in Armored Trooper Votoms.
1: Ooh, I and watch Votoms.
0: <laughs> in English, Masaoka is played by Jason Douglas. Um, he is Beerus in Dragon Ball Z. That's probably his most well-known uh, credit. But he's also in Slayers, Kino's Journey, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, but most notably, uh, this—I uh, definitely wanted to uh, let everyone know that the Dominator is voiced by Noriko Hidaka. And if you haven't heard of Noriko Hidaka, she is—she's uh, been, been in anime for many years. She's played many iconic roles in a bunch of very popular series. Uh, she is Akane in Ranma One Half. She is Kikyo in Inuyasha. She is uh, Satsuki in My Neighbor Totoro, one of the main uh, two girls. Uh, she also plays J- uh, Jean in Nadia, The Secret of Blue Water, uh, Noriko in Gunbuster, so she got to keep her actual name there. And then with more recent stuff, she is Nier in Death Note and Shiny Chariot in Little Witch Academia.
1: A lot of good stuff there. Dumb later, Lots of best good girl. stuff. Yes.
0: <laughs> she was actually at uh, Ann Amazement a couple years ago. She's come a few times and I got her to sign my copy of Gunbuster nice she wrote uh inozuma kick on it which is very cool
3: you know i have to admit i've never actually listened to the uh japanese dub of psychopaths i've watched the show twice fully and both times this is with the wonderful english dub
0: me too i really enjoy the english dub for sure i yeah i would highly recommend this as one of the really good dubs out there just in the grand scheme of things Alright, well, I guess we can get into talking about the actual show. So I guess really quickly, uh, Bill, since you wrote out a lovely synopsis for us, can you tell us what generally what psychopath is about?
2: Sure. Um, so, in the future, Japan has become a utopia, with little crime thanks to the Sibyl system, a powerful computer that scans the population's mental and emotional state. If a person goes above a certain coefficient level, they can be killed, arrested, or placed in as an enforcer on um, this, the Japanese police force to go after other citizens with high crime coefficients. Akane uh, Samori has just joined the Public Bureau of Safety uh, in the Division of Criminal Investigation as a rookie detective. And as the show goes on, she begins to learn about what's it like to be a detective, and how how it works with how to work with the enforcers and the main villain of the first season is Shu. uh what is how do i pronounce his name shogo makashima shogo makashima a man whose crime coefficients can never goes up like uh whatever action he does um his uh, crime coefficient doesn't go above uh dangerous levels So if he murdered somebody or does a horrible act, um, he's totally fine. And so the crux of the first season is Akane uh, dealing with Nakashima and learning about what the civil system is and the secret truth about what it actually is, Uh, what 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 it actually runs the civil system.
0: Cool. Thank you. I think that is a very apt description for what the show is about. Um, so I guess we can just jump right into it, and I guess discuss some of the major themes and the major ideas yeah. of Psychopaths. Um, so Ryan, Ryan, one of the big reasons why I wanted to uh, to have you on this episode in particular is because, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm I'm I think that you are somewhat interested in politics and tech. Uh, oh, to, sure. to put it lightly <laughs> um, so I know that this is something that you uh, that you do a lot of research on in your spare time and, and keep your uh, keep your fingers on the pulse of such things uh, going on in the real world and I know that you're a big fan of psychopaths so I guess what's your take on psychopaths in terms of you know I guess relatability to the real world if that's one way to put it
3: yeah so kind of the um, the key um, point What the key kind of hook in psychopaths is the crime coefficient and the crime coefficient um, as bill kind of uh, Explained is it's a score that's given to a citizen that 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 um, That essentially Shows what their potential to commit crime is and I think when you kind of look at this crime coefficient, which plays so much in the show, you know, being on a certain rating kind of determines your lifestyle. And, and to get a worse crime rating can, uh, crime coefficient rating can make you essentially have to go into therapy to get it lowered or even be outright killed by the police, basically because the police in this world are, um, you know, um, uh, prosecutor, judge, and executioner all at the same time to uh, very visual, very visual, um, Uh, effects so I think kind of to place it in the real world I think that what I would say about psychopaths is it's probably the most um, probably the most accurate depiction of what kind of utopian dystopian future could await us Um, and by that I mean in the way that by the way that explores how mass data collection can be used to predict How people will act in the future so really the way the power that the civil system has doesn't come from the fact that they can analyze on the fly what a person will be like the power that the civil system has is because it's always watching people it knows what their actions are like it knows what they're thinking what they're uh, kind of um, what makes them tick and by analyzing that uh, really when you get such a large spread of data you can start predicting what a person will do um, you know five seconds in the future and ten seconds in the future to days or years into the future and already when you look at some of the data that we're uh, being able to use um, machine learning models for um, we're able to start it can actually watch footage of actors in a movie and predict what they'll be doing in the next five to ten seconds. So, even though it's kind of early on, a machine can already kind of watch what a person is doing and can kind of guess what their intent is going to be based off of their actions because the power of data lies in the fact that there's so much of it that by analyzing that massive quantity of data you start seeing patterns that humans can't see but a machine can so that's that's really where i would say that um the the creepy part of psychopaths kind of sets in that this really isn't too far off as to what could happen in our own lifetimes really the fact that through how much data that we give off about ourselves not just willingly but unwillingly because when you think about it your phone is always recording where you're at it's always recording what you're searching for It's recording what music you listen to and within that you can easily find patterns that um, could point towards different types of behaviors
0: so the man knows what to sell you next
3: yes they do they know what to sell you and they'll have it shipped to your house before you even Uh, know that you want it
1: I'm down with that part of it (laughs) no
3: Amazon's already doing it oh wow not not to the fact that it's getting to your doorstep but if you look at how brilliant their models in terms of getting products shipped for their fulfillment centers because they have thousands of fulfillment centers they can already use their data models to predict say for the city of um, Charlotte what products people will want there, and when they should ship it there, so that they can get now two-hour shipping.
1: Wow! And I think kind of like what you mentioned uh, with the, like the general tone of the show, going from you know episode one, we we introduced to. Uh, the the entire system we're introduced to them being able to stop crime beforehand. In the next few episodes, we're introduced to the whole hollow projection furniture and clothing and that that whole VR internet that uh Akane goes into like it seems really really awesome, really like you said utopian and uh, a model for what like we're kind of on track for. But just like in real life, where we started off with social media and Facebook being you know these really easy way to communicate with with our friends and just share our lives. Now it's become more and more known and, you know, in the public awareness that there's a lot more than we thought being logged about us. And like you mentioned, like Amazon, like sure, that's very convenient, but it, yeah, it's very unsettling to know just how much information that, that we really give up. And in, in recent news with the whole, the huge uh, new, you know, data leak with Facebook, that's just one more big issue with the way we're going. And I think the show does that as well, where the further you get, the creepier everything gets.
3: Yeah, and just look at all the new smart home stuff like that. That's becoming massive, and that's just even more data that they can pick up on in your habits.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting to look back on Psychopaths, like season one in particular. That you know that show came out six years ago at this point, and mm. things the things that are in Psychopaths that we can look back on are even more true here in 2018. And I think that sort of sci-fi in general has this way of being able to predict the future Um, because you know how many examples can we point to of like Star Trek for example being you know sort of the the basis for so much tech that we have now that has Mm -hmm. been around for you know decades at this point that was predicted in one way or another by Gene Roddenberry you know Um, so it it is interesting to see that um, even though this has some somewhat uh, scary consequences that go along with it, it is interesting to see how sci-fi can uh, be a predictive force. And I think that really good sci-fi is the stuff that, that does that and um, and in ways that we can actually perceive in real life.
3: Yeah, I think uh, one, one good argument in favor of sci-fi, specifically dystopian sci-fi, is that it's a good sandbox to explore how these ideas could be exploited because once you get them into the public consciousness and once you get them to get into this idea that there's ways that this could be abused, that it makes people more aware of it and I think that it allows the designers of this technologies to try to build use cases that can kind of work around that. You know, um, A lot of the problems that we're having in social media I, I would say is actually not something that was really predicted by too many um, too many sci-fi offers. I, I could be having a blind spot, but um, just kind of how it's fallen apart and how it's been used by foreign powers in order to disrupt, um, you know, politics yeah. and all sorts of other things in our country. I don't, th- I, I, I don't know of anyone who actively predicted that, but now it's, you know, part of not just the US but every, every country right now. Mm-hmm.
0: I don't think maybe it wasn't predicted in such a broad way, but I'm, I'm sure that there are examples of like the minutia of things that happen today happening mm-hmm. in, in some ways and in, uh, in, in fiction, because like, of course, 1984 didn't have didn't have the Internet, of course, but it had the sort of social psychology of like. You know two plus two equals five if the state says that it does yeah
3: Yeah, and i think that's a that's a great thing to bring up because i think uh 1984 is it's it's referenced in um it's clearly referenced by the character uh makashima in the show and it's something that really kind of plays into the key elements of the show i mean the idea that of mass surveillance and what that effect has on people that they realize that they're always being surveilled. So that changes really how they act and what they think down to mm-hmm. how, yeah, how they think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: I think one, it, it's very interesting because societies have been trying to do this forever and, you know, succeeding and failing all the time. But like, I guess progress is sort of an umbrella term is always the, the idea of a society wanting to work together to fix problems and it seems like and it's just unavoidable and i don't think we should feel like angry or sad about this or anything like that but like progress always comes with like its consequences i suppose
2: Mm -hmm. there's always a cost Um,
0: yeah there's always a cost and i don't think we should ever think that there should there that there will ever be a time when there isn't a cost Mm -hmm. um but there is a cost for everything um but it seems like psychopass is sort of setting up the idea especially in the way that the show ends because i would argue that like the whole show especially season 1 and unfortunately season 2 doesn't really expound upon this much anymore is like psychopass is all about like introducing slowly the choices that have been made to create this society in the mm-hmm. way that it's been created and like the show i think it does a good job at like not so you know so obviously answering that question, but more like posing it.
3: Yeah. Um, uh, and I also think um, that what you brought up, kind of like how the show doesn't really answer it, it kind of like looks into it and explores what, why it resulted. I think that's also a really important to make, point to make that Psychopath is, um, it couldn't pr- be produced by um, an American. Uh, it's very much a Japanese dystopia. And the reason I say that is because whenever you look in American dystopia, there's almost always someone fighting against the system. And like, um, what's his name? Um, uh, Makashima? Not Makashima, but... Kogami. Um, uh, Kogami. He he kind of embraces that, that you know, the, the normal American kind of um dystopian uh sci-fi hero whereas i gotta take
0: i gotta take my pistol and go against the evil bad guy
3: exactly <laughs> whereas akane i think as the voice of reason she is very much a um And I I really don't mean to like try to categorize all of Japanese culture, but she kind of represents this idea of I don't want to create a revolution, but I want to make changes within the society. And I think that's a very uh, uniquely uh, Japanese kind of overview of society that it's not about overthrowing the system. It's not about trying to um, throw it into pieces and that that's the best way forward. It's about trying to understand the system and trying to work it, Mm -hmm. uh, fix it from within
2: which is interesting because in american fiction whenever someone tries to fix the system internally it's seen as well eventually you'll be corrupted by the system itself um mm. making making your cause to change it mute
1: so uh, also watching this series for the second time recently uh when i watched it the first time i was kind of under the i really went with the idea of them having you know the enforcers is these these loose cannon, you know dogs on chain. Uh, this this idea they were going for there with Akane being more level-headed, like you said. But watching like now, I don't really see Kogami as being very much a you know a loose cannon style detective. I feel like he's mostly driven with, like for revenge, which mm-hmm. like you said is very much an, like, an American theme for like these mm-hmm. type of hard-boiled stories. Yeah. but i like I, I feel like if we're gonna we're gonna contrast him like he and Akane, like, like I, I, as you said like she's very much into like she's accepted the system the system as a whole she's okay with and she's she's fine with she just she just doesn't agree quite with the methods of the civil system mm-hmm. but I feel I like' is mostly hmm?
0: I don't know if I would characterize her as being okay with it because she clearly isn't I think she's just accepted that like well, since yeah, she, hasn't, mean, like, it since exists, she hasn't definitely. figured out – since she personally hasn't figured out a way to do it better, she's just like, okay, well, I guess we'll just keep doing this for now and hope that it doesn't get too bad, I guess.
1: And they so also like, – the, One of the general themes they mention in her is that the reason her psychopath never gets like messed up is that she's able to see what happens and accept it and adapt to that situation. So yeah. I, don't, I, think, I think as a whole, as an entire system – I think she's perfectly fine with with the, with the way like everything shakes down. She's not okay with the decisions that are made. She's not okay with you know what the civil system is and how they make decisions. But I I think maybe if like we were to get like you know more seasons or a little more story, if the story were to continue, I think Akane would eventually come to a point where she would either come up with something better, or I mean who knows? Because I mean the whole stick with the end of season one is uh, you know the civil system is testing her so it can grow itself, so it yeah, can right. also see, you know, it, so we can outsmart her, basically. Like, it wants her to come up with a better solution so we can outsmart her and mm-hmm. figure out a way to outsmart humanity uh, as a whole for that eventual, you know, overthrow, that revolution that will come eventually. Uh, but I guess to, to go back to the point there, like, Akane's she's she's ready to accept it as a whole, uh, you know, change is notwithstanding, but, like, Kagame's mostly mostly driven by his revenge and just that sense of like something is wrong with this like this in particular Mm -hmm. i don't think he cares so much about the civil system uh the the morality there i think uh shu the the guy that uh uh the 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 red-haired guy that Mm -hmm. we see up until the middle of the series Mm -hmm. Uh, by the way are we doing spoilers (laughs) are we doing all right spoilers yeah, yeah, this
0: this podcast is always spoilers. Okay. okay,
1: I want to make sure. Okay, so the guy that dies halfway through, what? You know, after <laughs> discovering the civil system, you know, the, for the first time, like he's very much against it. Like he feels contained. He feels like a, an animal that's chained. Kagami, I feel like, is less bound by that. Uh, just really more bound for revenge for Sasayama, and even like the life that he and the enforcers have to you know, have to live through. And and Makashima, like he just, he's got that that hard on for revenge. Mm-hmm.
3: Well, I think it's also because of the upbringing because if I remember correctly, uh, i sorry I for forget his his name, but the character you mentioned who uh, first discovers the civil system and dies. Um, he actually um, was born into the system like when he was like five years old, he's forced into right. it because he was considered a pre-criminal before he's even an adult. Right. So yeah, I think right. that really does shape his views and all that and that basically he was completely judged before he even seemed to, to really have a a, be able to have choices
1: right
0: and like akane expresses the anxieties of like the opposite of that too because like because she is dictated as like so quote-unquote flawless by the system she she outlines in another it seems like a very japanese thing as well um generally speaking i suppose but like how she is she's even more burdened by the fact that she has been gifted this like this uh this like grand individualism because she is allowed to do so much with her life um especially in that conversation that she has with her um friends. i think it's in a flashback scene uh, towards the end of the first season but where she's talking about she's talking with her friends and like they didn't do so well in their placement tests and whatnot so they got mm. assigned like you know boring office jobs but she did super well so she was qualified to do like pretty much anything she could ever want and she expresses some anxiety about that she's just like Man, I, I kind of wish that the system would sort of tell me exactly what I want to do because with all these choices, how could I ever decide?
3: Yeah, and and I
0: think I just think that's a fascinating uh, way to way to look at the
1: world.
3: Yeah, it really is. That's why she's really my favorite character in the show. She just grows so much um, throughout yeah. it. And um, well, one uh, one key thing I want to talk about is because we already kind of talked about how these characters just discover the civil system, and I think. It really kind of, um, I think it really kind of defines the show is that you find out halfway through the show that the civil system isn't this objective artificial intelligence construct that you that everyone sees it as. It's not this objective system that is um, emotionlessly making these decisions. It's in fact a collective of around like two two hundred and fifty. Uh, People who are brought into their systems and their brains basically provide all of uh, all the processing and decisions for that so essentially and It it could be explored further, but essentially the people who are brought into the systems the people with no crime coefficient are Sociopaths they don't feel any emotion and they don't express it. So essentially you're having a oligarchy of around 200 um sociopaths who are deciding everything for society that doesn't sound too much different from today
1: <laughs> yeah ooh oh that hurts i do not want to think of trump as a brain <laughs> oh.
2: <laughs> my
1: my system's
0: the best system it is the most objective oh god
3: <laughs> so i think oh, i man. think just kind of i thought that was really interesting when i first learned about it cuz i feel like it really kind of it really kind of destroys this kind of utopian view that it creates that there's this objective system and everyone's being judged based off of this data that shows that they'd be best for this position, that they should marry this person, that this person's latent criminal. Because essentially the only people who are deciding that are a bunch of humans. So the system in itself, the way that it's kind of constructed and the way that it's kind of built up to be this... Uh, perfect system is really kind of deconstructed through their through the mistakes that they constantly make and the fact that they have to learn from what Akani's actions are uh, really kind of shows that it's an imperfect system that's showing different cracks throughout. It's kind, it's really not uh, expressed that much in the show because it's kind of shown as infallible especially in the movie um, that we watched yeah. but it, the fact that it's human it's controlled by humans even if they're networked humans I think kind of shows weakness in that and it also oh, and, kind of shows it's that it's not infallible.
2: They they also show that the system is very fragile um, by the, psychopath, the psychopaths that are kind of the main antagonists throughout the first season and the second season where if they cause any disruption to the normalcy that the civil system has created Uh, the human the human population can't handle it they have a very fragile mind because of the civil system
1: Mm
0: -hmm. and i think that that's ultimately i think one of the big um messages if you want to call it of the show is that perfection is not a thing that can be obtained and maybe to try to be perfect is in fact you know just not tenable and maybe the real answer to society's woes is not to hope for a perfect society, but just to hope for a better one. Mm. Um, and, I, and I think that's sort of Akane's idea about it, um, and she goes about it in, in a way, I think Akane and, and um, Kogami would share that idea, but they just have different ways of trying to get there. Mm. Um, different methods. But, but yeah. It, yeah, but it does seem to set up the idea of like, perfection cannot be attained by a human society. Um, because that's just not what we're built for. So just the the way to fix the problems in society is to take like every problem individually and like try our best to make it better but not so much hope for perfection because if you try and if you try and force perfection it it turns into what we see in psychopaths.
2: Oh, Mm -hmm. I I think also another recurring theme in the idea of normalcy or perfection is that the civil system itself punishes anyone that is not seen as normal. Or that disrupts the system. For example, there's a a subtext of um, the punk rockers that one of the enforcers were a part of in the earlier part of their life. Mm -hmm. With the yeah. Yeah, where um, because being a punk rocker is not seen as normal, um, a lot of them have high crime coefficients and then they are put into these mental wards where they're never going to be released or they're outright killed. Or... Um, in the second, I think it's the second episode where they have to go to a factory, and this man who is extremely bullied by everyone that works there, um, because he's seen as um, an outsider, he gets punished uh, because of it, and um, basically is, has to be put down because of him being an outsider to a certain degree.
3: Yeah, it's the show is very much it's very critical. I think on um, kind of the state of mental health and how people who who may have um, may have mental health um, conditions really um, could be treated unfairly to the extreme in psychopaths. But I think it could be reflective of kind of how those people are treated as well in uh, Japanese society or in society as a whole. You know, whereas,
2: people. In, whereas in society as a whole, we'd, we'd rather just sweep it under the rug and not mm-hmm. think about it. And that's kind, of what this, that's kind of what the civil system is doing by putting these um, ostracized people or people that don't fit the norm in those um, kind of mental wards or facilities if they don't have a, they don't get an extreme high crime coefficient because it's kind of hinted at that they're never ever going to be re-released. It's kind of a method of,
0: like, social eugenics, if you Mm -hmm. wanted to put it that way. It's like, you know, you take people that that, um, are flawed, I quote-unquote, big quotes on that, for whatever reason, whether it's their fault or not, and you just essentially put them away. Um, But as we know, like, societies don't really progress if everyone is always forever the same as everyone else. Like yeah. we have to have people that are unique and different to make positive changes in our world. Like we can have people that are unique and different, then make extraordinarily negative, you know, changes to the world. But society will stagnate unless you allow for that in- for that individuality. That being said, I don't think rigid individuality is necessarily the the answer that psychopaths is putting forward. Um, but it's definitely somewhat more of a synergy between like hyper collectivism and hyper individualism.
3: Yeah. Yeah, and especially, so diversity, both when it comes to um, backgrounds, ethnicities, and cultures, but also as well as um, with uh, how someone thinks, you know, diversity in thought, diversity in right. um, how someone processes something. You know, people with autism, they process things differently, but there's so many people with autism who've contributed so much to society. And what diversity yes. of that really does is it allows... Um, It allows people to solve different problems in unique different ways, and that's really the kind of strength that diversity shows uh, Brings to the table, and I think that as bill was mentioning earlier in how unstable the um, Civil system is that whenever any kind of kink is thrown into it absolute chaos is caused and I think that's because You don't have diversity in thought that basically forces that doesn't allow creative problem-solving
2: Right right of course Yeah, like they have that um I forget his name. The kind of the intellectual professor that's friends with uh, Kogami. Oh yeah, coffee man. Coffee man, yeah. Where, (laughs) where basically in the the movie, it's shown that he has been placed under arrest and no longer is living in his home. That he's um, been confined to a cell um, because of his um, different viewpoint or uh, different way of viewing things.
0: Yeah, and I think, I think that character is, is very fascinating because he is both, like, a uh, therapist or, like, a psychologist, if you will, but his, like, whole deal is, like, anyone that's around him will get, have their psychopaths clouded. And I'm like, every time I heard that, I was like, well, I know that they're setting that up to be something negative, but I was wondering exactly what that means. And, um, like, in practice, it just seems like he gets so much out of people that it reveals, like, more of who they are on the inside which the system may or may not be okay with and it seems like most of the time the system is totally not cool with that
1: Mm. I think that compares a lot with what they talk about with uh Masaoka's character where you know he's he's not really so much of a latent criminal in exact terms it's just that you know he was he he lives in a time where they had you know uh, criminology he sort of understood you know things on a personal level able to relate to these, uh, you know, not only uh, like the criminals, but just like the, the way people acted. And mm-hmm. that's really what clouded mm-hmm. his hue to the point where he starts off, uh, you know, uh, with a high crime coefficient. And uh, likewise, I think this is shown with, with that character, that, like that 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 professor that is really good at reading people to the point mm-hmm. of almost being psychic. It, it seems like a lot of times, mm-hmm. the way he just reads everyone, and I think that really ties into what we see with with everyone else. Uh, Makashima calls uh, like the society, you know, people made of are pretty much livestock. Just calls them livestock, mm-hmm. where they're dully going through lives, just living, you know, in that convenient lifestyle and not having to worry about anything. But are they really human at that point? Yeah. That's... Compare that, uh, compare that to like our, our, our both both and the professor that are so good at reading people, uh, to the point where it is you know criminal uh, according to that system. You have to wonder like, it, I mean that like the civil system is set up just to make people like brain dead.
3: Yeah, it also breeds out empathy because when you think about it, like when uh, I remember in one episode of the series, uh, there's this uh, where everyone gets these helmets that allows them to do whatever crime they want and no one reacts to it around them because essentially empathy has been bred out of them. And when you think about um, how we relate to people, that the goal of any kind of system of control is is to put the authority and the um, ability to commit violence to the powers of only one group of people, that being the state, or in this case, the civil system and its apparatus. So if you're able to remove the ability for people to emphasize And to be social with each other like we are social animals, then you remove the ability of them to really to rebel So that's kind of a built-in part of the system to avoid people from kind of grouping congregating together and saying This is unfair that this person is being treated this way because they're not an empathetic society basically they all live this life of uh, just going about their lives uh, going to this cyber uh, world and doing whatever they want and living very happy but pretty much uneventful boring lives and that's that's kind of one of uh, one of the other literary references that the show references which is brave new world where you have this utopian society where everyone has everything they could ever want all the food all the um you know all the fun things all the sex all these everything and they're all just livestock essentially
1: yeah, I'm. Mean, I'm really glad you brought that scene up because that that stood out for me as well. Though that the helmet, where they introduce the helmets, and uh, like the guy just beats that bystander to death with a hammer, and the, like the crowd around, like everyone sees it, everyone knows what happens, but they can't process it. They don't recognize that fear, that, that the shock of what's happening, and like just compare that that dead eyed glaze to again like going back to Makashima and the Professor, to where they're ridiculously empathetic. They can read every little minute detail to to understand, you know, their fellow man. It's just such a huge contrast that mm. I think the show really tries to push there.
2: On oh, because the civil system breeds breeds out fear, breeds out sadness or anger. It, oh, yeah. pun, it punishes the people who have those emotions, and basically, you have to. The civil system wants everyone to be in a sort of a happy catatonic state.
0: Right, it's like any anyone that would feel otherwise is is removed from the equation.
2: Yeah,
3: because they're a threat to the stability of the system.
0: Right, because if there's someone that is you know overly emotional for any reason, rightfully or 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 what have you, it's like well, it doesn't matter why, it just matters that, and we're just gonna take you away. And I think that's one thing that the show. The show clearly states it the problem with the system like in episode 1 where you see Akane like sort of standing up for that girl who had been uh been assaulted by the by the guy that they were chasing and like at, in that moment like right. Masaoka was going to be like okay well the civil, civil system has passed its judgment it's time for me to do my job and she was just like no you have to examine like the context of what's going on here like she's terrified because she's just been like kidnapped and assaulted and she's you know under duress because she's a victim here it's not that she's done anything wrong she's just in a a heightened emotional state because of what's happened to her you can't you shouldn't you should not punish her for that and um and i i think that the way that they do that right out of the gate in episode one is both a really good um, way cinematically to sort of introduce the main conflict of your show um, and it's just a, a good um, a good thing to remember as as the revelations about the civil system and whatnot continue throughout the narrative.
2: And it's interesting because in the second season, Akane isn't so by the book with the um, uh, the uh, as being at a detective, where she lets the situation play out and tries to talk to whatever she's dealing with, while the more rookie inspectors like. No, the dominator's saying that this person has a high crime coefficient. We need to do what the dominator says.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it, season two was
0: was very interesting to me, and I guess we can talk about that a little bit later, but uh, yeah, because uh, you and you and uh, excuse me, you and I have both seen season two and the movie, but uh, we can get through season one first. Um, I guess if there weren't any of the major themes that you guys wanted to go through because we kind of did go through a lot of them. Um, I guess we could talk about sort of other works that are similar to Psychopaths. We've sort of touched on that, but I know a lot of people are very quick to jump to comparing this series to Ghost in the Shell, at least in the anime mm-hmm. world. So, with Ryan, you and Bill being such uh, also big fans of Ghost in the Shell, like, do you see any through lines here? Or, or would you would you say that they're completely different? Or what 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 is your take on that?
2: Um... I'll let I you go s-
3: first, Bill, so I can collect my thoughts.
2: Sure. Um, <laughs> I think the similarities are kind of superficial at best because they're both made by the same production by the same animation studio. Um, the Psycho-P- Psychopass and the Standalone Complex, the TV show, has a very team-oriented um, uh, th- uh, theme going on. Uh, <laughs> And I think also, because of the cyberpunk aesthetic that's in both psychopaths and standalone complex, people like to compare the two. but I would say that they deal with um different different themes and different topics within a cyberpunk setting
3: yeah i, w- yeah. I would mirror that um I think that there are, uh so to the differences, ghost in the shell is. Um, primarily about can a artificial intelligence or can a computer have a soul? That's the, that's the whole, that's in the name, a ghost in a shell. Um, so there's really not much exploration of artificial intelligence or any kind of um, real robots beyond just some uh, mindless drones and whatnot. They're kind of accepted. Psychopath.
2: They're kind of accepted in Ghost in the Shell as like, oh, they're just, they're actual human beings like the Tachikomas and standalone complex of like, they don't go into like, well, how do they function? Like, why do they have these feelings as robots? It's like, they're just there. Yeah, well, it's
3: actually, if you remember, it's a little bit explored in the second season. Or if you remember, uh, there's this whole plot arc devoted to kind of them developing sentient and emotions and all that. Um, but I think I think that some of the overall themes um, of Ghost in the Shell and of Psychopaths are there the feelings of alienation, but I think that that's also kind of a The thing that kind of makes cyberpunk cyberpunk is that theme of alienation and that kind of goes back to the to the godfather of uh, cyberpunk uh, William Gibson And uh, neuromancer which pretty much created modern cyberpunk it created you know cyberspace That's a word that we take for granted, but it was invented by uh, by gibson and um, This feeling of alienation is so embedded into the dna Of cyberpunk that I I can't really think of any cyberpunk media that doesn't really embrace that because the uh, the alienation comes from the alienation of an individual through technology, like in Ghost in the Shell, or through society, like in um Psychopaths, Like uh, the whole motivation for um, Shogo um, Makishima is that he feels alienated, that he feels like he's not a part of society and that he wants to uh, change society so that he doesn't feel as alienated from it.
0: And to be fair like the the society is set up to alienate someone like him because they see him as a threat not not just because he in fact is a threat but because he is so it, because he is different mm-hmm. and then he just he just takes that as an opportunity to retaliate against the system.
3: Yeah, that's that's a good point. And I think uh, that's also kind of something I find it interesting because in ghost in the shell it's 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 played much more straight um, they directly uh, go after people who are uh, going after the system there's really no well I, I would actually argue that ghost in the shell the society and ghost in the shell versus the society and psychopaths are completely different because the society and ghost in the shell is essentially a bureaucracy that's on the point of collapsing it's ruled by all sorts of different mega corporations and there's no real central authority and section 9 kind of operates on its own and whatnot whereas in psychopaths you have a very centralized society like all the different government bureaucracies are controlled by the same central body government there's really no nothing that shows any kind of other powers that can really challenge the civil system whether they be mega corporations or other states like you see in that movie basically the civil system has dominance and um, that kind of makes it more of a dystopia than ghost in the shell
0: because even in the film whenever they do they go to China and they sh- and they show you like what the difference between Japan and China is um, in in the context of the film it's like well, even even the government and the uh, the powers that be in in China were al- were always being manipulated by the civil system in mm. one way or another.
2: yeah, because' yep. if I remember the movie correctly, they're the reason why they're implementing the civil system is that they're hoping they can use the civil system to uh, increase the their kind of dictatorial power. They think they can yes. still they can still run everything and use the civil system mm-hmm. as just an enforcement tool. Whereas, no, right. that's not really the case. The the civil system will be your dictator and will do you will do as it says.
0: <laughs> exactly, yeah, and that's the whole thing. It's like they, they attempted to control the civil system, but the civil system, by definition, sort of resists control because it would be like, well, if we had a governing body governing our governing body, that would be too confusing, and we can't allow for that, so we're just yep. going to turn you into a giant brain.
3: Yep. Yeah, the movie had a lot of themes of uh, uh, imperialism and whatnot. I thought it was interesting, uh, especially the uh, mercenaries. uh, They were talking, essentially, talking about how um, uh, I've got the exact context of the conversation, but just kind of how uh, they're just kind of an age old it will always exist and that ultimately what matters is who has a monopoly of violence and who can control that violence. And in the system, like the civil system, the monopoly of violence is controlled by, uh, by the system. Whereas in mm-hmm. the country, um, China, or whatever fictional country it is that the movie takes place in um, doesn't have that monopoly and that's why there's that instability.
0: Right. All right. Well, Ryan, I know you got to duck out here pretty soon. So, yeah. is there any final things that you would want to go over uh, in the group uh, before you have to duck out?
3: No, I think that we covered a lot of the really uh, core themes that I think are really important uh, to psychopaths. I uh, really enjoy talking about it. But I do have to say one thing that um, just by having this conversation, all our crime coefficients have gone through the freaking roof, and all of us are going to become, like, fruit gusher ketchup sandwiches here soon.
0: Oh, I can't <laughs> wait.
1: Oh, I mean, I mean, at this point, I've already reported you to the authorities. Don't, don't worry <laughs> about it. I'm okay.
0: <laughs> Tobias is actually part of the civil system. We're just talking to Tobias's brain right now, and he's, yeah, he's he's called the enforcers. They're on the way.
3: What you need to edit in right after he says that is that line in English of the civil system uh, saying, You can destroy... User authentication. Enforcer shift you You are a valid user.
0: The target's threat judgment has been reappraised. Enforcement. Destroy Decomposer. Target will be completely annihilated. Please proceed with maximum caution. And carefully accommodate the target.
3: that'd be great all right guys well i'm gonna go ahead and duck out i really enjoyed this conversation um uh looking forward to any future uh conversations and hope that uh everyone enjoys this podcast
0: heck yeah thank you so much for stopping by ryan i really appreciate having you on like always
3: yeah appreciate it guys all
0: right see ya see ya Well, cool. I guess we can just um, talk amongst ourselves and sort of end out the show. Bill, did you want to
2: talk about season two for a little bit? Um, Yeah, uh, uh, since I didn't watch Psychopaths when it first came out, Mm -hmm. um, I think people were greatly disappointed by Psychopaths Two because Mm -hmm. Psychopaths Two is uh, is not not really a continuation of the story per se it's kind of like a it's a it's kind of treated like a side story um where there is some progression like you see where akane is and how she's grown as a character and you see what's happened again as a um but all the stuff with kogami and more progression with like handling the civil system it's not really dealt with until the movie i view that the second season as like a DLC you would get for a game. Um, s- sort of similar to, like, uh, in Mass Effect, how you could get, like, the Ansani, uh DLC or Overlord or layers of the Shadow Broker where it gave you m- more context for the characters, but it didn't really continue the story um, <laughs> that, you, that you would think it would. It, it was just more of, like, a side story.
0: Yeah, and um, I guess... I guess people should. I think the main problem that people have with Psychopath 2 is expecting that it be something that it isn't. Um, like, I think Psychopath 2 is, in a way, disappointing and, in a way, brilliant. Um, I think it's disappointing in the sense that we don't really get a proper follow up to, like, what Akane is going to do to, like, quote-unquote take down the system you know um or like figuring out her methodology for you know bringing down sybil or making it better or whatever it is that she wants to do season Mm -hmm. two is basically just another examination of a shogo makashima like character sort of uh disrupting the system by being not what the system expected and Um, it
2: expands on the themes that were in the first psychopaths like yes with the mental health aspect they start giving everyone medication uh mm-hmm. to help them deal with their crime coefficients which are to, yes not crime to just deal with their coefficients in general and um it's sort of examining just kind of like well, was the medication helpful or is it really hurtful and mm-hmm. they there's also i like in the second season it the characters aren't stagnant. There's character growth, whereas Akane in the first season is kind of very naive and unsure of what she does in the job, whereas in the second season, she knows what she wants and she knows how to act and she's more... Um, she's not afraid of her actions compared to in the first season. And I and I like that there's character growth. I would view it as, do you like... If you really liked this the first season and you just want more time with those characters, I would recommend Psycho Pass season two. Right. And and again, I, I think it's
0: it's helpful to look at it as like there there really are no easy solutions to the problems that are brought up in Psychopath. And I think season two just sort of hammers home that idea of like, well, like, what did you expect Akane to do? Like, she still has to do her job. She sort of accepted that this flawed system exists. And it's been, like, maybe a year now since since season one wrapped up. And, like, yeah. she really hasn't made any progress. And I'm thinking, well, you know what? That sounds like real life, you know? <laughs> so, like... like, <laughs>
1: like too, too real.
0: Yeah, it's like there have been problems that have plagued societies and governments and stuff for hundreds of years that we just can't seem to get ourselves around. Um, and like psychopaths Two is a, unfortunately somewhat, um, I think grim is maybe too harsh of a word, but like a disappointing reality that like, yeah, things, things still need to change. The sense of urgency is still there. But it's just not happening quick enough, because that's typically not how these things work. It's a little bit nihilistic, I would say, but it's a little bit more realistic and close to home. I would say that there's
2: there's a little bit of hope, because before she would just follow what the Dominator says, but in the second season, she's more cautious of using the Dominator, and she's more aware of what the civil system is. And is not as trusting of the civil system, so. Right, she, I mean she, that's
0: that's personal growth for Akane herself, but it's not like progress in the societal sense, you know.
2: Oh, uh, like yeah, like you're right. In the bigger picture, nothing has really changed. But kind of it, f- when she first sees what the civil system truly is, the, the the system itself says, if you bring us down, basically the entire structure of society will just fall apart and it'll cause utter chaos and right and basic and because of everyone's fragile mental state there would probably be mass murder mass suicide so it's so it's a very tricky situation that she's in and it and you're like you're saying it's a very realistic take on how if this was a if this was really happening this is probably this is what would happen in the real world
0: And I think another notch sort of against season two is that I think it gets lost a little bit in its own character drama, Mm. like um, like that one enforcer with the longer hair voiced by um, Chris Sabat. That's the only way I can describe him, (laughs) Um, like his whole backstory and his connection to the Sybil system. And I don't guess I'm going to spoil it because it's not that big of a deal anyway, because you know what I'm talking about. Um, I don't know, like none of that none of that narrative drama really riveted me it was more just like a, oh really okay fine whatever
2: again just like a video game it's a dlc for an extra party member
0: <laughs> yeah yeah i would say if you haven't watched psychopath 2 like don't don't beat yourself up over it but if you if you if you're really if you're really into psychopaths just give it a watch it's it's not that much of a time commitment, you can check it out anyway, but don't feel bad that you've missed it. Like season I'm one gonna, really is generally the way to go.
1: I'm gonna, I'm gonna butt in here as the one person that didn't watch anything else besides season one. It's and fine. to go back to our, to our literary references, I feel like the one thing we didn't mention, like the greatest crime of this podcast that will definitely raise our coefficients, is like the greatest influence on this series is Philip K. Dick and his work, uh, particularly, of course, Minority Report, which anime borrows pretty heavily from and i feel like the cool thing about uh, his works are all that they're all individual short stories or short like novels that are very much one-and-done scenarios like there's no overarching uh you know like cyberpunk aesthetic that we think of like with gibson's uh you know neuromancer or even ghost in the shell uh, this is very much just one setting and just like like reading a scanner darkly or you know uh, uh the blade runner novel uh dude do, do androids dream of electric sheep like once you've read at the end, like that's the end of the story, you're supposed to then dwell on like the implications and like the, the general themes. And right. dwell on the idea. Like watching, like, and like, so in, in recent years, I've, I've had a hard time sitting down and watching anime that isn't like a comedy series, like just marathoning the, an entire series. Mm-hmm. But with Psychopaths, rewatching it this, this past week is I, I had no trouble going episode to episode to episode. And I found that really compelling just to continue watching the show. And uh, you know, at the end of it, I was pretty satisfied. It said what it had to say. Uh, there's a lot of loose ends. Uh, we don't know what Akane is going to do to outsmart the civil system, or even if she can. But that's not the that's not the point. That's not like really the point is trying to get to. And I feel like that, that kind of resonates with a lot of uh, you know uh, uh, Philip K. Dick's work. Is just uh, you know, it kind of makes you dwell on is there a solution? Like what? How does this technology? How do these? these these aspects that are going to crop up in our society in the near future like uh, how are we going to resolve that
3: Hmm.
0: and i think just posing that question is probably the best thing that the show does because it it is really tough to answer those questions like the the answers are not evident and not easy
1: and and to be fair like going into this and watching the first time i seem to have thought that a lot of the characters are very tropey and not very interesting like I mentioned earlier, Kogami, just being the standard loose cannon character, uh, you know, Makashima just being the sociopath uh, L style character, L from Death mm-hmm. Note, just kind of that goofy, that sociopath kind of guy. But watching it again, like I, I found the characters really, really interesting. Even a uh, Ginoza, who I, I guess I just kind of you know shoot him away as just being a like a a, a genius kind of character. that's just the boring, you know, normal character. I found his backstory. You know, and the story later, as it progresses in the later episodes with his father, just pretty interesting, and his own slide into uh, latent criminality uh, a little more interesting than I would have expected to go in, which I guess is a strength of Urobuchi going way back to the beginning of the podcast that uh, he knows how to write. He knows how to write trauma. He knows how to write characters and how they deal with those those issues.
0: For sure, definitely, and I think people might just in the general fandom consciousness of uh, people. People knowing that Genarobuchi did not do Season 2 might automatically put a bad taste in people's mouths. And I would say that, generally, I don't think that taste is necessarily um, uh, justified, perhaps. Because it's not like Genrobuchi is the only person that can write a good story. Mm -hmm. I would argue that that Psychopath Season 2 has some issues, but it's not just because he wasn't there. Like personally, I didn't think the movie was that excellent. Eh, eh, excellent, and he wrote that, so whatever.
1: Yeah. I guess, I guess, I guess the point I'm kind of getting at is, if we were to go back to like another, uh, you know, another Philip K. Dick novel, you know, Minority Report, would a sequel benefit that? Would well, a sequel benefit us? Probably, probably not. Berkeley? Yeah, exactly. Like that would it would actually weaken it. Uh, with, yep. I would imagine. And likewise, here, like Psychopaths, I wouldn't need to say pretty much what you guys have told me from season two uh, as you mentioned just being a DLC sort of deal where we get more screen time like sure I thought Gennoza was compelling and I would mind seeing him as an enforcer I would mind seeing more of Kagami and his life after but as a, as a story as a narrative that has got something to say I, I feel like that kind of weakens it overall and uh, honestly I don't have any I have less plans now to follow with a uh, extraneous material after talking to you guys than, than before
2: well, it's fine can we uh austin if you don't mind can we talk about the mm-hmm. movie for a quick second
0: sure if you can remind me what actually happens in it because
3: <laughs> i can
2: barely remember um sure if i remember correctly basically it's the follow-up to the the ending in season one where uh where um Akane is assigned to go to a sort of another Asian type country like Thailand or China. It's kind of a made-up nation, where to go after. Um, sorry, um, to go after Kogami because it's been revealed that he's been helping these, this rebel group within the nation uh, fighting against the imperial government, and that if you want a finality to that plot thread. I think the big issue um, with that movie that for me, the reason why I didn't like it is because one, they pack so many action scenes in that movie and the psychopaths franchise from the first season and the second season, I would say there are some action moments, but it's not a shoot up, bang bang uh, show. It's a very we're dealing with the ideals and, how do we deal with this issue of someone's mental state and mental health and the show kind of the movie kind of ignores that it, it kind of ignores that I that examination of mental health which I really liked about the first season and the second season and it's more dealing with what would the civil system be like in another setting which is kind of like it sounds to me like an alternate scenario which is kind of like okay and The other, the bigger, wider issue for the movie is nothing really gets resolved because, in the grand scheme of things, not within this is beyond the plot. um, The the studio I think has found a uh, franchise that they know makes money and they want to continue it uh, because it it was announced that there's going to be three more movie. There's going to be three movies. The first movie coming out in January of next year, and so. I think they were saying they kind of knew that going in, and they they didn't want to do a complete wrap up. It was just more kind of what we were saying with Psychopass two more character time, especially with Kogami and Akane because of their relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and the other the other issue is just like if, well, if you take the civil system away, like if that's finally put to rest, then the franchise is, uh is kind of done. The story is done. So I right. think I think that's why they didn't <laughs> they they didn't um, they didn't wrap it up. But that doesn't excuse the movie because the 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 movie I think goes on way too long. There's too much extraneous action scenes, and the ending is so Deus ex machina of of the civil yeah. system knew the whole time, and we were <laughs> we were going. We were gonna stop you anyway, and I also don't like that the team is pretty much taken away from the movie, which I I enjoy the team dynamic.
0: It's it's like the the Akane Kogami Power Hour, <laughs> which is which I'd, is I'd not man which is not inherently bad, but it it does have those like more like Hollywoodish sort of things with the with the the bombacity of it and the action scenes and with the Deus the Ex Machina. And it, yeah, and the mechs, and it it doesn't really go anywhere, like, at least season one is all about uncovering the mysteries about the civil system, and it's like, narratively, the place where you go after you've uncovered the, the mystery is just to try and solve the mystery, but the thing about Psychopaths is, like, the problems that they have are so difficult to solve, it's like... I feel like if they if they took the easy way out, it would just be like, well, Akane and Kogami team up and like burn the civil system to the ground. But like that creates so many more problems and that questions. would not be intentional, and questions, and like character inconsistency. So I don't really know what they're where they're supposed to go from from here. Like these new these new movies, as I understand them. Um, if I recall correctly, I think some of them are going to be prequels and some of them might be continuations. From, I don't really know from 100%. what, from
2: what I read, they're going to be very character focused where each movie is going to focus on two characters.
0: Okay. And I guess that's a way to do more psychopaths without actually having the responsibility of
2: doing more psychopaths. If I, you know what I mean? I'm I'm just happy. They're not recap movies. I'll give them that. It's not a recap yeah. movie, which I think is a, is a cop out cheat. Um. Yeah. So I'll be interested to see where it goes with these three new movies. They probably won't resolve anything based off mm-hmm. uh, the previous track record. And then, yeah. I, and I,
0: I mean, i'll I'll most certainly watch them, <laughs> especially if they come to theaters, one hundred percent. But and, we'll see.
2: And and I think it's kind of using a kind of a Blade Runner comparison of just like you know how people always were wondering like, well, is Deckard a replicant? Is he or isn't he? And I think the issue. With psychopaths, is maybe they should have stopped after the first season and left it kind of open-ended, where you have to decide, because that's that's because as Lost showed us, when you try and give us the definitive answers, people get really disappointed. So right, right. So I yeah, I mean
1: that's kind of my own thing. Like I don't, I don't, I don't want to watch season two of Psychopaths or other movies. Maybe if they're prequel movies, I'll check them out. But I think ending it at season one, like. That, that that's really where it should end mm. right unless unless they were to jump into season 2 and actually ask some deeper questions different questions maybe but it doesn't sound like they did so I don't really see much point unless you're really just spinning your wheels hoping to milk that franchise uh, wasn't there also a PS4 or PS Vita game
0: yeah there was actually can you hold on for just one second please
1: yeah Austin's gonna download and play it right quick yeah <laughs>
0: okay i had to duck out there for an audio issue but yeah what were we talking about the psychopath uh psychopath's uh
2: visual novel was that it yeah Um, that was what
1: he mentioned before the the vita ps4 i think i got it for free in a psm it was a ps plus
2: it was a ps plus um thing a couple months ago
0: yeah i got that for free too tori actually has the special edition of it for the ps4 but has never played it it's a very nice ps yeah it's a very nice special edition sounds like me with many games Yep, me too.
1: It's the struggle, but Indeed. yeah, I think overall, like like I was mentioning, like just just just, just like a like a dick novella or a uh, short story, it really works best just with the ending. Like it doesn't have to close it out like a normal narrative would. It doesn't have to give you resolution. Just just let it be. Let it like stew in your brain pan. Think about it. And I, I think the ambiguity of the ending, like, that, that, that's great. There's not supposed to be a perfect solution there. Like, the civil system has issues, but, I mean, it solves a lot of problems at the same time. So is Akane really, is she really right to try to resolve that on her own? Or, you know, is it, should she break free and take a more, like, you know, Nietzschean, uh, you know, view of humanity and, uh, you know, force people to wake up and, uh, you know, uh, go above the system? I mean, is, is she really right by doing that? Not entirely. Open your
0: eyes, sheeple. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of an ambiguous situation where, yes, overall, things are better for society, but are they better for humanity?
0: I don't know, and I think that that's exactly what Psychopaths wants us to talk about. And we kind of have for an <laughs> yep. entire podcast. And I we mean,
2: so, some, of the, some of the greatest TV shows and anime have ambiguous endings, like um like neon genesis evangelion i was gonna mention that the if you don't include the rebuild movies and uh and of Ava, uh oh the
1: rebuild movies haven't really answered any questions that's true. no they have just let's posed be fair. more. They, let's be fair they've
2: been they've been um straining especially 3.3 3. 3. Uh, but that's another podcast for another day oh man i can't wait
1: no let's never do a podcast <laughs> please no we have
2: well, to it's it's podcast, in our name we that, have to that podcast will be five hours or 12 hours <laughs> depending on how much we have to talk about it I mean, it's just gonna it's, be me all... and at each other
0: yeah it's gonna be bill complaining about how cowroo is an underutilized character uh
2: that he he's a poorly written character until 3.3 3.
0: yeah that's true that's fair okay but yeah, we will we will definitely have an Evangelion podcast. I will put that I will put that on my uh, in my epitaph. if I die, and even if I die, we will still do an Evangelion podcast. If your
2: if your crime coefficient goes up too high and you are murdered by the um, all knowing gun from Psychopaths, we will do an Ava podcast in your honor
0: or if it goes so far down that I've never been born just like yourself Bill we will still do we will still do an episode All right guys well do we have anything else that we want to discuss related to psychopaths in this episode
2: Um I would just say especially for season 1 and if you enjoyed the character from season 1 um check it out it's on Verve and the sub is on Crunchyroll Um Yep I really enjoyed the dub. I think it's one of Funimation's best dubs that they've ever produced. Mm-hmm. Um, I And also, I enjoyed the sub. So I think just pick pick your method of audio and go to town.
0: I think it is interesting to note that Psychopath Season 2 was the very first um, uh, simul dub that uh, Funimation ever did by that name, hmm. not counting Space Dandy.
1: Hmm. Wasn't unaware
0: yeah it was it was um it was psychopath two and one other show that I can't remember back in like twenty sixteen or something and now like simul dubs are kind of the Funimation standard these days, which is
2: interesting, and other companies have done that too I think like Sentai also does simuldubs, don't they
0: sort of um they yeah they they basically do it, but it's not exactly the same i I think they um their delay is more significant mm. Okay. like funimation has it out like three or four to two like two to three weeks after it comes out in japan but i think i think on high dive they do it in like they do the episode releases in chunks like episodes one two and three or something but it won't come out until like the season after the show has wrapped up mm.
2: Gotcha. Well, sorry, I put us into full Tangent Town mode. (laughs) Uh, No, it's fine.
0: I uh, think that's where we are now. But uh, yeah, Tobias, um, you brought up a good point in the chat. Uh, Do you guys want to do your uh, favorite or most iconic scene from the show? I guess since you brought it up, Tobias, you go for it.
1: So going into this, the one scene that instantly leapt to mind as soon as I started the very first episode uh, was the one where Makishima has Akane's uh, friend in the, that underground arena, yeah. and like he's standing on the catwalk, and like I remember watching it for the first time, and that's you've seen a lot of violent stuff up to that point, and stuff is happening around Akane, but not to her, and to have that element of this this very pure, uh, at least psychopath wise character, you know, confronted with this, you know, as I mentioned earlier, these other characters that they just don't realize violence is happening around them. They don't. They just cannot process it. But to see her kind of break in that way and to see her friend just have to go through that. And we can see just, you know, up until that point, Makishima has just been a, a very, uh, what do you, like a plotting, uh, a scheming character. But we mm-hmm. see just how much of a, like a, a murderous sociopath he is in that scene. And that, and like even at the end where she's just like collapsed on the ground and you see her, the body of her friend is still handcuffed to the railing, but just kind of bent over, like the shape of her corpse. Uh, man, that, that messed me up
0: i hear you that's a it's a good pick that's probably not a scene that's easy to forget
2: what about you bill um you mentioned it earlier in the podcast but in that first episode where um they're dealing with that kind of man who's really obsessed with that one um female where they take care of him and then you see the female on the ground just in pure shock of the situation and the enforcers at the time are dis- were are very much like, well, this is, um, she's at a high crime coefficient, we need to get rid of her, and Akani's trying to deal with the situation, because as you said, and I think as Ryan said earlier, that's the perfect kind of um, distillation of the show, and that kind of threw me for a loop of just, oh, okay, that's how this world works.
0: Mm-hmm. I think for me, my uh, my most iconic moment would be from the first episode as well because I've seen that episode so many times because I've shown Psychopaths to a lot of people um, and we've watched it in like club settings and whatnot. But um, just the scene where they confront that guy for the first time and he like explodes and you don't really expect for that explosion to be so visceral. uh, That's that's very it, it really does stand out as one of the great well great quote unquote like visuals of of the show. Um, but also from the first season, just like a really quick moment that I always think of whenever I think of Psychopaths is just that scene when all the enforcers are coming out of the paddy wagon for the first time, and uh, you see Akane pick up the Dominator and it like sinks inside of her brain for the first time. That's another that's another iconic scene that I always think about when I think of Psychopaths. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. All the Dominator stuff from the first episode is very memorable as well. Like seeing Definitely. it and seeing it Transformer the first time is just like, whoa. I think that's honestly one of the coolest like mechanical designs uh, in the entire thing. And yep. even watching it again, like I, I, I didn't mention this earlier, but another really great thing about the series as a whole are the color choices in this. Like, there's so much yes. color. We think of more cyberpunk; it's all like gritty and gray and and rainy and gross, pretty much Seattle. Uh, but uh, <laughs> in uh, in this, like, there's so much color. This like in all the mechanical designs, even with the paddy wagon you mentioned, like it just looks the style is really awesome there's so much color in the lights of the city even when they go in that underground or like death arena there's so much like just the colors against the walls and like the bloodstains and the various stains it's just uh, man it's just visually so amazing i think from start to finish
0: there's a lot of great contrast between like the the street elements of the show and like sort of the clean cut like government and stuff things like with the government stuff they uh it it, it's very much like channeling Tron like Mm. that uh super clean like blue uh neon stuff and then everything else is well not everything else because most of it's pretty clean but like in the alleyways it's got all that all that you know difference in in color and and uh an interesting like like still like sort of muddled dirty palette but still with Mm. the bright lights and everything so yeah Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of interesting and wonderful production design in that show as a whole yeah, you did mention it. We did get one Twitter question from our buddy, Will, and he asks probably the most important question, which OP is your favorite and which ending is your favorite? I will defer to Bill first.
2: Second opening, first closing song. Be- okay. Because the problem I have with the first opening song and the opening song in Psycho Pass 2 is it's by the same band and... They're a little too screechy for me. It's just really? the vocals, just are like nails on a chalkboard. That first opening song. Um, though the, vi- the opening visuals for that is, is very good. Um, I, I'm just, for me, it's more pleasing to the ear, um, that second song. And the closing song I love, because it reminds me of Ghost in the Shell to some degree. And it's also, it's very mood setting of just the uncertainty of dealing with the civil system and how to handle each of these situations that Akane gets into Mm -hmm.
0: I think I know your answer Tobias because you were talking about it on Twitter the other day but what about you?
2: So
1: yeah I want to go a little little deep dive into that so definitely the second opening Uh, I like the first opening's animation and it does set the tone for what the second OP does as well but I don't like the song I I don't like it it's a little too I don't know screamy for me I'm not a big music nerd, but I feel like Screamy is very apt for what it normalizes, and just, just not a fan of that myself. Uh, this, but uh, I do like the the general style, and uh, the second OP, Out of Control, uh, the one I think more is iconic, I like the general direction to it. Uh, the, the entire color, like I mentioned with the series, the color choices are just great. There's a lot of bright colors that pop against the, like, the dark shading of the characters and just the shadows. And as I mentioned, uh, when I was watching it this the other day, I thought that it looked really, really familiar, and not just because I was halfway through the season, but i I, I realized that it reminded me a lot of the Persona 5 animation from the game hmm. and just the way that like the, the shading and like you have this in in the Persona 5 op uh, you've got a lot of blacks contrasted with like the bright red. there's mm-hmm. the general color theme of Persona 5. And sure, black and red sort of are, are, the, are the colors. And here we have the, the myriad rainbow of colors in Psychopaths with the contrast against the dark blacks. And I feel like they were very, very similar. Trying to go with a, a very similar style. Uh, it, even if the themes of the action weren't very similar. you know. In, in the Persona 5 opening, we've got uh, the figure skating theme. We've got, uh, as all the Persona animations are just kind of really upbeat and poppy. Uh, Out of control is a little more muted and uh, a little more frenetic, I guess, with Mm. the lyrics being more of you know just kind of uh, you know uh, you know just like having your having your thoughts read and the anxiety surrounding that. Uh, But yeah, no, it turns out doing a little research, I wasn't able to get a whole lot of information on who did the Persona Five opening and specifically who worked on the openings for Psychopaths. But uh, I did find out that Production IG also did do the animation for the games, uh, nice. the, the opening and the when all the different cutscenes in the game. And Koichi Arai uh, did direct the opening to the Persona 5 game, as well as the animation director for both uh, openings here. I think he also did nice. key animation on the first opening. So we do have some similarities in the first opening with, again, these these uh, more muted colors but with these dark uh you know the dark heavy outlines uh g- generally thematically opening one is very much about Akane and Kogami and how they contrast as characters and the conflicts that they naturally come you know, come 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 together with just with their outlooks on life i feel like opening 2 is a little more of a st- standard opening in the sense that it's it's a very short summary of what happens in season 2 uh, I guess I like the second core of, of part one, whatever you want to, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, call this, where even kind of watching it as I progressed, they, they mentioned a lot of little visual elements. So we have like the eyeballs, the drop, uh, very much reference to like the last arc and just uh, the characters coming together and then uh, Akane and Kogami both, uh, you know, going against uh, Makishima, but from opposing sides and just a lot of little mm-hmm. elements like that. I really, really enjoyed and I feel like it worked together with the, the song choice. Uh, as far as the ending, uh, I I liked the music choice in the first ending, but I felt like the animation, and the visuals were just kind of generic.
2: Because all they, they are, just, are just like manga manga drawings, basically. Yeah, yeah. And it, it just, it's just, a little
0: it's a little slideshowy.
1: Yeah, and it just shows their names, and it just shows some stuff. And I like the I like the the, the song, but not fan of the animation so much. But with uh, ending two, one thing that really stuck out to me is that half of it are just these stills of Akane, like manga style, so they're kind of boring. But the other half are various mechanical uh, design choices of the series. We have the dominator, that little, that little cart that carries the dominators. We have one of those cameras that scan the psychopaths. And like they look like line drawings, but they sort of twist. And the way they twist is they don't all like animate as one object it kind of like goes up almost like a vertical sync issue like what the viewer had a monitor have like a v-sync issue it almost reminds me of that and at first what you're saying
0: is they twist and they also shout (laughs)
1: uh there was a lot of shouting but that was mostly in the first opening if -hmm. you know what i mean Uh Uh, but uh, I i don't know how to describe it exactly but i feel like it worked really well uh looking at those for the first time, I thought they were just uh, like 2d stills of those objects, but they very much are 3d objects. And it's the way they animate them. I thought it really popped uh, in my mind. Cool. cool.
0: Well, I can say that you are all absolutely correct, but I am also correct because I, I want to say that my, I, I'm going to be honest. I really love almost all of these songs individually, like a lot, like, the the psychopass openings all of them and the endings are uh, staples of my anime playlists i i come from a from a a tradition of consuming a lots of screaming music in my in my time alive on this planet earth so i don't really mind those uh those two openings and i just appreciate for how different they are as sort of like j rock songs um i like that band a lot i listen to some of their other things. Um, and that, that singer just has a very unique voice, but I totally understand why some people would not, would not, uh, be partial to that. Um, so I guess for me, I'm going to pick the opening of Psychopath 2, actually, because I really like that opening, I think it's a great song, um, and I guess I'm going to pick the, the, the ending of Psychopath 2 as well, because I really like that song a lot, um, because, uh, that, that's, uh, that's done by Egoist, which is a, a pretty somewhat, um, somewhat popular, um, Annie Song slash J-pop group. Uh, apparently they were sort of born out of the production of Guilty Crown, which is like the best thing that ever came out of that show. Um, because <laughs> it's not a, it is, it's not a great show, but, uh, but that show formed Egoist and they've been doing uh, a bunch of songs for a bunch of different anime and whatnot since then. Um. Like they did the opening for "Cobainery uh, of the Iron Fortress," which is a really good song, and and they've done a bunch of other things as well. So I, I really like those endings. But um, but yeah, yeah, lots of good, lots of good music in Psychopaths. Just in general, like I think some of the uh, some of the background music, like in the show as well, is very muted. It doesn't really stand out, but it um it really helps to sell the sell the tone because there's a lot of like, like ominous sort of um like. Low tone sort of music, and then there's like the really hype tracks, like whenever they're doing the action scenes and I, whatnot.
2: I I love that kind of that dark string violin music that gets played whenever the villains kind of are talking with each other. Mm-hmm. It just mm-hmm. I <laughs> I I love that piece. Like if, if, if something to add to my D and D campaign, that'd be a great villain song.
0: <laughs> Excellent. All right, guys. Well, I guess. I guess that about does it for us talking about Psychopaths. Um, is that cool with you?
2: Yeah, I think we covered everything. Cool.
0: All right. Well, Bill, where can people find you on social media if they want to talk to you about One Piece, Psychopaths, Hearthstone, or what they had for breakfast this morning?
2: Um, you can find me on Twitter at WBForeman999 Foreman, on Twitter. Um, where you can talk to me about the Whole Cake Island arc and hopefully it'll end some some year, someday. We can move on uh, in one piece. Or you can talk to me about um, Lupin the Third and how the ending to the latest season was so good.
0: You excited for Doctor Who this weekend?
2: Yes. I almost forgot that it was coming, so I am super excited. Jodie Whittaker is a great actress. Go check out um, Rod Church* if you haven't.
0: Yep, that's a good show. It is uh, *Psychopassian* in the sense that it is like a police procedural. And
1: very dark.
0: <laughs> yep, and very dark. Alright, Tobias, where can people scream at you about, I don't know, memes or whatever?
1: I love memes. If uh, you got any cool Bongo kind of memes or... Yeah, if you if you're like me and finally tired of the Bowsette storm that's been plaguing the <laughs> internet for the past two weeks, and want to go return to an earlier time, Bongo Cat from two weeks ago. <laughs> <you> <laughs> Bongo can, uh,
0: Cat's a he's a he's an old man now. <laughs> yeah.
1: Or if you just want to like uh, you know talk about Gridman as it comes out week to week, uh, you can hit me up on Twitter. That's at Reverend underscore Tobias uh, and that's generally where I chill out. And yeah
0: cool and as for me you can find me over on twitter at bebop shock and that's bebop is in cowboy bebop and shock is in bioshock where i mostly just retweet very good kingdom hearts art or uh tweets from people that are either smarter than me or funnier than me so i i, I curate a great feed that has basically nothing to do with me other than spotting cool things and uh and retweeting them i guess
1: i mean to be um, fair that's kind of what i do too <laughs> yeah the majority. That's, that's
0: twitter that's twitter. so I
2: guess for me I'm just like early twitter just doing random observations though.
0: I'm pooping <laughs>
1: <laughs> Bill please don't I <laughs> don't need to know that
0: <laughs> alright and you can find the third impact crew in it's entirety over on our personal twitter uh, or not personal our group twitter <laughs> at ti underscore anime whatever uh, you, you guys are all my hive mind. You, we are all the civil system. My brain just happens to be slightly larger. We're, we're
2: either the civil system or Sele, depending on the day of the week.
0: Ooh, I think I like Sele more. That sounds more fun. But anyway, you can also find our, our wonderful Facebook community over at facebook.com slash groups slash thirdimpactanimecommunity where we have a nice little Facebook group there that you guys can all come into and chat about anime. And if you're there already thanks for being there, and if you uh, aren't there, please come on in, and um, yeah, invite your friends. That'd be great, too. We'd love to have them. That'd be great. No memes. We don't do that. I but, do uh, Alright, Tobias does that, but I don't do that. Bill for certainly doesn't do that. All right serious. Oh, totally serious. No fun. <laughs> Alright, guys, well, thanks again for joining me this week, and um, we will see you in the next one.
1: Only the car alone, it's
2: Sassa